Kiara. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. Welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This show provides real stories of resilience and post-traumatic growth from people like me who have lived through trauma and difficult times during childhood, adolescence, and or adulthood. This show talks about what is strong, not what is wrong. It challenges a deficit approach in therapy and mental health and focuses on a strengths-based approach by talking with real people about the real stories of resilience and healing. If you'd like to be part of the show, please contact me at chrissygilmore.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E.com. So welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. And today we have Rebecca with us. Hi. 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 <laughs> and today we're going to talk a wee bit about your resilience that you've put, put down on this form and um, explore a little bit about your story, if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. And I do, I really thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, are you okay to just give a wee bit of context for our listeners, if that's okay with you? Just kind of what happened, just generally? Yep. 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 Cool. Um, so essentially, I guess this might be a little different to, um, to I guess, what people might understand as, as childhood sexual abuse. Um, you know, people have an, have an idea in their head of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, an idea of um, of what it means, and and I guess mine mine kind of stretches that or challenges that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my story, so um, I guess, yeah. Essentially, my experiences came within um, my first sexual relationship mm-hmm. um, when I was uh, had just moved out of home, so I was actually just sort of turning 18, um, that kind of age. Um, but it was my first sexual partner. Um, and I was definitely, in my mind, still a child um, or a teenager, I should say. Um, and my partner at that time, my boyfriend, was definitely a man. He was older. Mm. Um, not a huge amount older, probably three or four years older, okay. um, but it was enough. Um, and yeah, basically my experiences were uh, around how uh, sexual violence or I guess coercion within a relationship is viewed differently to when it's a stranger or even someone you know, but don't know well, aren't in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of warps things in your brain a bit. And it wasn't until I was much older that I reflected back on that relationship and how it actually um, influenced a lot of my thinking around sex and in not a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And there was actually physical trauma involved, which I didn't, again, really realize was linked back to that mm-hmm. until, um, until I engaged with the doctor later on. And, uh, and we can talk more about that. Um, as we go on but essentially yeah it was it was the experiences I had in that ongoing relationship and the relationship was probably a year and a half 
maybe even two years. I can't, I can't quite remember, to be honest. Um, probably a year and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. okay. um, yeah, and it was definitely, yeah, definitely not a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and But yeah, very confusing time. And mm. um, in one of those... One of those situations, I suppose, as with a lot of um, childhood sexual abuse when you're younger, you don't realise what's happened until much later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Because it was framed in such a this is normal kind of way. Mm. Um, and you think, we think in our heads that that can't happen when you're older and when you've been educated about sex. And, you know, I grew up in a fairly liberal household. Mum talked about sex. It wasn't a, a taboo subject or anything like that. Um, you know, I was... I considered myself intelligent and empowered, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, it, and it's still got me, mm. you know. Mm. Um, I still fell down that, that rabbit hole. Mm. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, know. and it sounds, like, it sounds like he was a little bit older, so it sounds like you wanted to trust him with possibly his experience, and it, he kind of led you down that rabbit trail. Um, that rabbit hole, I think is what you said in a way that it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm wondering if you're kind of like, I'm not sure. And you were quite young as well, 18. Um, and so he was a bit older, more experienced kind of taking you down a, a space that you, that you thought was normal. And, and I think that's what happens a lot with sexual abuse is that people think it's normal. And then upon reflection, they find out it's not and yeah and that's and there's a bit of that doubting as well isn't there I wonder mm. definitely definitely when that person is your partner mm. um, I think um yeah definitely a lot of doubting around whether because you because it was within a broader relationship you know um, yeah. that did have good parts mm. um and there were elements of the sexual experience which I enjoyed. Mm. You, you, yeah, it gets very confusing mm. around which parts were okay, quote unquote, and which parts were really not. Um, yeah. Mm. 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 Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's a bit of a, I've used, I've heard this quote, it's a bit of a mind fuck because it really plays with your mind more than anything, you know, upon your body. Yeah, definitely your body. And then it's like the, cause that's a lot of the sexual abuse is kind of untangling the parts that were good. And then the parts that weren't good and it feels good. And it's, it's a real mind fuck. Yeah. It is. Mm. It is and it was for, for a long time. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I bet. Yeah. Just getting good ticking sound on my thing here sorry my my recorder um yeah well thank you for sharing that with us um i really appreciate you opening up like that and you know 18 is a young age and it can happen it can happen in all walks of life all ages and generally with people whom we know and yeah. trust yeah and i think that sometimes can be part of the most difficult part is that you you know, it sounds like you had feelings for him and you were with him for quite some time, quite young. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I was, 
you know, um, hook, line, sinker, in love with him. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it kind of really worked against me in that in that respect. Mm, mm. Definitely sounds like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, can I just ask you, what does resilience mean to you? Mm. Yeah. Really nice. It's a really nice question. It's a really challenging question, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess the first word that comes to mind, I guess, is flexibility. Mm. Um, having emotional flexibility um, and psychological flexibility um, so that, I guess, to extend the metaphor, is so that you can bounce back or so mm. that you move with what comes your way. And it's not about avoiding it. It's not, it's not about avoiding pain or challenge. It's about um, being able to process and be flexible around that in terms of, in terms of your core beliefs, um, which we all have, um, in terms of our values, et cetera, being able to, um, to engage with that and process that in a way that doesn't damage us. Mm. Um, and, then, and then to be able to come out of it into a lighter space. So, yeah, flexibility. Um, but also, the, the, I remember reading when I was really young. I, I used to love Anne of Green Gables. I still do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you're Canadian. Yeah. Of course, PEI, yeah, definitely. Um, and I remember reading in one of the stories that um, she, she has an inner joy that nobody can get rid of. And I remember a character being really annoyed that she could never bring her, never bring Anne down fully because she just had this inner joy that it was irrelevant of anything that was going on around her. It would just keep going. Mm -hmm. I um, love it. And I remember thinking when I was little, I want to be like that. Oh, I, I love to it. have an inner joy that nobody can touch, mm. you know? Mm, nice. Yeah, like an inner constant. Kind of resilience as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm -hmm. So an inner constant kind of, and you said a, a glowing ball of a glowing ball of light in your center that can never be extinguished. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, yeah, that kind of just part of you inside that is that is okay and that is bright and that is untouchable. Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Something kind of like inner spirit that remains yeah. um, constant and, and can never be touched by this. That's always undamaged. It's mm -hmm. always whole maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I just, ha I have this image of, you know, when we're at our, our, our lowest and we kind of instinctively go fetal position you know that kind of thing in my mind that's protecting that little ball oh I love it mm. because yeah just an instinctive thing to to yeah to go inwards and, and protect mm. um, and that it kind of keeps you warm in that little womb space I don't know mm. it's mixed metaphors I like it yeah definitely definitely because I could see like the, the baby growing in the mother's womb and how it's kind of in that curled position and then how that's our that's where 
except for our brain. That's the whole of who we are, isn't it? We need all of these vital organs in our, in our core. And, and I know with gut feelings, yeah, you feel something in your stomach or even your uterus sometimes, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. In our womb. Hmm. I love that. There's lots of layers in there. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. And, and also there's another question. Were there any thoughts or beliefs that you held or you have now that have helped you? Do you want me to read out what you have or? Yeah, if you could. Yeah. yeah. So you, okay. Yeah. So you said I'm intelligent and capable. If others can, I can. My family's love is unconditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that is those kind of core beliefs. They they um, were drawn from my mother. Mm -hmm. um, I was raised by single mother, um, and of me and my younger sister. And <laughs> even though she would reject the idea of you know um, feminism as a word she actually practiced it every day anyway mm. and we've talked about this since as, as adults yeah. um <laughs> i think yeah she she rejects the idea of, of being you know bra burning and and letting your letting your armpit hair grow kind of feminism mm. but i, I guess because she grew up around that but um and it just wasn't her but the she just has this unshakable belief that she is capable and she proved that to us um, mm. time and again, raising us alone. Um, mm. I think we were really young. Um, and, and obviously that was a challenge for her. <laughs> I'm just stated, but, um, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realise how much of a challenge that would have been. And not just the physical, you know, uh, daily life kind of challenge, but the emotional challenge of, of connecting to your children um, when you're grieving. Mm. Um, when your children are very young, my sister was only six months. Um, so it would have been an incredible challenge to, um, to, to care and to get back into that. And I know she did struggle with it. Um, but we had a strong family. Um, her parents and my uncle, her brother, were all very close. Um, and she, yeah, so my mother, incredibly capable woman and incredibly intelligent. Um, she always um, made, she, she, I guess she just, yeah, really encouraged us academically um, encouraged us to learn, um, to be creative, even in ways that she wasn't, she's a wonderful musician, but she's rubbish at art or anything like that. Um, but she, you know, encouraged us to explore any of that. Um, and we both did in our own ways. Um, and there was never a question of anything that we couldn't, there was never, it was never, we're women, so we can't do anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just never came up. And I remember being really surprised when I got to, to high school and encountered um, classmates who didn't grow up like that. And I found it strange. 
mm. that they wouldn't do, you know, um, would tech and that they thought it was weird that I would want to, um, you know, just, just basic general kind of stuff. Mm. But, um, but yeah, that, that I guess core belief that, yeah, there's, there's nothing I can't do um, if I want to. Um, and I do, I truly believe that. Mm. And wow. Yeah. Awesome. Um, can I, would it be okay if I turned off the video? It's just back chatting a wee bit. Sure. Just yeah. on my, my headphones. I think yep. it might be my, my connection here. Sorry. Okay. There, you can still see my face. I can. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like your mom, she, she modeled this to you quite strongly and, um, because you didn't, she didn't really have a choice. Hey, well, she she did have a choice, but it sounds like the choice was incredibly challenging for her naturally. Um, and is it okay if I ask about the grieving? You said your mom was grieving. What was? Do you mind if I ask what that was about? Oh, about my dad passing. Oh, your dad passed. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I missed that part. Pardon me. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so okay. He, he passed when I was two, and my sister was six months. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, no kidding. That would have been huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And she's, and she was so, she was like, almost like took that role on. It's like, no, there's nothing you can't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And she also really um, healthily modeled the kind of takes a village kind of mentality as well. Mm -hmm. um, because we, even though she raised us, you know, uh, alone, we were constantly supported by family, even even those who lived further away. Um, and even in our household, when we, we were quite young, um, whether whether the initial impulse was financial or not, I don't know, but, um, but we always had a woman living in our house, like a boarder. Okay. Um, and there were three over my childhood, and the first... I, I don't remember much of, but she, she, she was lovely. But the second two are still in my life today. Um, wow. And like uh, one, yeah, they're both incredibly important women to me um, and have stayed with us right through adulthood um, wow. my sister as well. Um, and they contributed a huge amount to our upbringing. Um, and just that idea of having... Uh, of being able to rely on multiple people um, mm. growing up, um, particularly women, uh, was really good. Um, mm. Which, yeah, I guess made it so strange for me that I then got into a relationship that was so unhealthy because I was raised in such a healthy way. Um, yeah, mm. it kind of took me a long time after the relationship to accept that I had um I guess uh, had my power taken away from me by a man which you know I'd been raised uh to I guess to be able to recognize and not do that <laughs> um yeah but it mm. anyway yeah yeah definitely yeah and it does and it's that's part of it too is that um the the feeling of why did I let it happen? Um, yeah, it's very common, isn't it? That, yeah, it is, it is definitely. And that's, that's interesting too, because 
you know, in post-traumatic growth as well, where there's post-traumatic stress and then we have this growth at the same time. And it's often, it is looking at our wounds and looking at what happened and trying to make sense of it, like kind of turning ourselves inside out to understand what happened and kind of untangling the, the, the web in a way. Um, this is how I understand it, or that's how I've experienced it myself. Um, so it makes sense. I, I don't think it's all negative that we might blame ourselves um, at all. Yeah. Um, as long as we don't stay there and also even shame, there's some research that says, you know, some a little bit of shame is the stepping stone towards healing and growth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, definitely for me, I mean, when we talk about those core beliefs, mm. in the first instance, I guess, a lot of that was, um, you know, in, in, in the reflective work, it was challenging those core beliefs because it was that idea of, well, I didn't, you know, I I, I wasn't capable, I, I didn't recognise this and I, you know, I, I failed, so to speak, to do that and I... Um, I didn't use my family and I didn't, you know, I was ashamed to talk to them about it and that they wouldn't believe me, et cetera, et cetera. All these things which go so against those mm -hmm. core beliefs. And then it was those same core beliefs that helped with the growth. Right. After I challenged them and grappled with that and then able to, uh, to approach those core beliefs again with gentleness and let them mm -hmm. actually help me out of it. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So some of the so some of the kind of the thought process that was kind of you were turning kind of into like, almost looking at yourself and as if this was, you know, examining in it and kind of saying, why didn't why didn't I see that, that those were the thoughts that kind of actually morphed into growth and kind of learning and you were able to take that and then it was like, I don't know, I see like a piece of dough and you know how you like take something and you smooth it out maybe because I've been making bread lately and it's like, it just keeps, you know, and you just keep, it's like, it ends up being something, you keep going with that and it takes you somewhere. And that's what I like about resilience is that it's so creative, you know, people, we use it all the time and it's, I think it's magnificent, the capability of us humans um like i was listening to sorry i was just gonna i was listening to jazz this morning mm. and and then it, alexa she kind of moved into kind of um uh soul music and then it's neat how soul music I, i'm not like a big historian here about soul music but what i've read and what i've seen on movies is that soul music they'd have like juke joints in the swamps and down in the lower parts of America and the southern parts and that would be where they could have you know a lot of the black people might get together um, African Americans and they would be able to play their own music and sing about and dance and and that would become a for a form of resilience in itself and it's just amazing what we do it's just yeah so it's it's neat how I think it's fascinating how your mom you, you know she she would have, like you said, that she grew up with maybe more of the burning bras and she still took that feministic 
that feminism, but in her own way. And she kind of made it a bit different. And then she had, it probably wasn't like cognitive, oh, I'm going to do this because this is a form of resilience for Laura and her sister. Um, <laughs> then she had these women come around you and it was probably out of need as well. And then these women became big forces in your life, which is amazing, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's fascinating. Yeah, I feel so grateful. Mm. Yeah, so grateful. Yeah, I love it. And and you've you've indicated some different types of resilience that you've used here. Um, and maybe you want to talk a little bit about them. So I'll just outline them here. So uh, education and creativity, pivotal moments, metaphors, nature, sensuality, sexuality, sports. Is there anything that you wanted to talk a little bit about? Um. Hmm. Sorry, I just gave you like eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, not well. I mean, all of them. I I guess because yeah, every every channel that you that you use to I guess to to expand your world and and to um, to have fun mm. and to connect with others. They they all help. Um, in your resilience and in your your um, your flexibility, as I said earlier. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just more strings to your bow, I guess. Um, mm. The more you do engage, and I don't know, not all of those paths um, are, are fun for all people, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean. Particularly, I would say, uh, I know uh, one of those first ones was education. Mm. And that was a really important one for me because I guess I, I'm academically minded and, mm. um, and I get a lot of solace from, from research and from, um, from, I guess, the wisdom of, of those who've, who are experts. Mm. Um, and it was really important for me to educate myself around some of the feelings and reflections that I was having. Um, and again, around particularly because it was within a relationship. So um, that kind of idea that you can't be abused in a relationship because you're already, or you can't be sexually abused in a relationship because you're already having sex with them. Kind mm. of, I, I want. I I knew that that felt wrong, so I I educated myself and I I read books um, from other people who've gone through similar things, and I read articles about sexual violence education and some of the new ways that it's being taught and being framed, particularly around consent and things. Because I mean, we weren't taught that at high school, which seems crazy because high school was only about years ago for me but we weren't we weren't taught about that um you know it was the extent of our consent education was no means no yeah. Um, yeah. and when you're in a loving relationship it doesn't really apply mm. uh, or it's just not that simple it's not that simple 
you know, we weren't taught about coercion um, or anything like that. Uh, so educating myself around that was really important. Mm. Um, very important for me. Um, and also required me a little bit to have to educate some of the people around me um, who I did share with and who, you know, didn't fully understand. Um, so, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I can't just tell them, but, um, but being able to be like, hey, I read this. If you read this, you might understand a little bit more about where I'm coming from kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so education was really important to me. Mm. No kidding. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I like to have more, I don't know, I don't know it's more ammo or more, just, just more knowledge. More knowledge makes me feel safe. So um, I like to have yeah, I like to educate myself. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like it was a powerful journey for you too, because it sounds like it sounds like you had these feelings and they were your body was telling you this is wrong. And and then as you kind of started exploring it, it was almost reinforcing how you were feeling. Like, yeah, this is wrong and this is why. And kind of clarifying it for you in a way, I wonder. Yeah, clarifying it and um yeah. And making it permissible, I guess. Permissible, yeah. Um, nice. That, you know, that people that I admire are people that I respect mm. also were validating me, um, you know, in, in a way that was a different kind of validation that I needed other over and above anything I got from friends and family. Right. Because, you know, they're validating you and, and caring for you because they love you. Mm. Not necessarily mm -hmm. because they uh, uh, because they understand or because they um, connect with what you're feeling, mm -hmm. um, but that kind of I guess yeah external validation from from people uh, from academics or right. um, you know learned people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I have a great respect for. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, I was going to say something and I forgot. It'll come to me. Um, <laughs> the creativity, what kind of stuff did you engage in there? Like you said that your, your mom just said, just go, just explore. You know, she was a musician herself. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. So <laughs> music was a bit of a non-starter for me. I didn't do music, <laughs> but it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't good at it. But um, I did dancing pretty much my whole childhood and teenage oh, wow. years um and dancing has been an amazing uh expression yeah um, and it can be very healing mm. um, um and interestingly at this same even though I danced right up until I left home um when I was in that relationship I wasn't dancing and a couple of years later when I was processing that relationship I started dancing again um, not necessarily a, a conscious connection for me between the two, yeah. But, um, but just having, I don't know. Th th there's something about dance which it's it obviously emotionally and psychologically freeing, I guess. But for a body that's experienced trauma and is trying to rediscover 
um, sensuality, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, dance can be really helpful, or I think mm-hmm. really helpful. Um, I was doing a lot of Latin ballroom, and there's a lot of sensuality built in to that dance. Yeah. Um, but in a safe way, you have a safe, trusting relationship with your dance partner, and it's you know, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I always thought it'd be a really interesting idea to, to do, I don't know, uh, more of a, an explore, um, more more research around the connection between dance and, and, and consent. I don't know, um, because there's a real, particularly partner dancing, because there's a real unspoken, uh, idea around consent within that, but it's just a yeah, it's just a side note. Oh, that's really cool. But yeah, the dance was really powerful. Yeah, um, and and it kind of yeah. touched in on that um, that sensuality and mm-hmm. more sensuality than sexual. Well, maybe not more sensuality. A eh? a little yeah. bit of both. Okay, yeah. But it's I think it's it was important for me to separate the two sensuality and sexuality okay um so the idea that and and i think dance helps with that because you you can be sensual without being sexual Mm -hmm. um you know there's no sexual relationship with the person Mm -hmm. you're dancing with um you know even though people might describe it describe it as a sexy dance or whatever yes it's definitely for me sensual rather than sexual Mm. and being able to learn to be comfortable with those sorts of feelings which um which were definitely i was definitely not comfortable with um mm. with sensuality or sexual you know those kind of feelings because i associated them with pain and shame um mm. and uh and embarrassment mm. um you know that that kind of core embarrassment of being naked that kind yeah. of embarrassment right. you just feel shame yeah. that kind of um Mm. lack of sensuality was really helped by doing dance I really like that connection that you just made with the sensuality and that helped you because of that core embarrassment with the nakedness that's like a that's a really good example yeah of of that feeling of shame eh Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and the sensuality it sounds like you had uh, that consent as well it was an unspoken consent. It was like a, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you do speak. It. I mean, you do speak mm. it, so to speak, and yeah, because you can choose your partner, etc., yeah. etc. Um, and you know, because you practice, you know what you're going to do together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess in a way it is spoken, but this, what come, you know, the expression and the emotion that comes out through dance, you wouldn't able to do that without that unspoken trust mm-hmm. um, and an understanding which for me kind of underpins consent and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the choices um, yeah 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 definitely huh that's interesting and the eyes too i think that there would be some kind of consent happening with the eyes potentially yes. i wonder yeah yeah huh i'm just thinking of like Latin ballroom dancing and how they're always looking at each other in the eyes. Well, I don't know if I'm thinking the right kind of dance here, but I'm yes, thinking. You are. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're staring in the eyes. It's very beautiful to watch. 
Mm. Very beautiful. Mm. How super cool. And pivotal moments. You had some pivotal moments. Have you had some pivotal moments that kind of stuck out in your mind? Mm. Kind of like changes of beliefs or actions, um, thoughts that kind of contributed to. Mm. Well, I think a pivotal moment for me was when I realized I didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of an all of a sudden thing. Okay. Um, and I can't really imagine, I, I can't, like, I can't really remember what I was doing or who I was with or anything like that. It was just a realization that it, I didn't want it anymore. Um, which was a, and it was quite sudden and it was a massive shift for me from being, you know, mm. head over heels. Um, and I know it was something that a lot of people around me struggled with, mm. was the idea that I could just suddenly change my mind, which was kind of how they, they viewed it. Right. Um, but for me, I think it was a, Yeah, I mean, it certainly was a turning point for me. Mm. And I, yeah, I mean, it's so, it's a, it was so, so long ago, it's so hard to remember. Um, I guess I, mm. But it was certainly uh, an internal moment um, when I just, it wasn't even that I realised I wasn't happy or anything like that. It was just that, I wasn't going to do that anymore. Mm. You made up your mind and that was it. Yeah. 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 Just, just that that wasn't going to be my future. Yeah. Wow. It's yeah. very powerful, isn't it? It is. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But I, in a way, I almost wish there'd been an event or something which had, um, or a conversation which had led me to that because it because it would have made it would have made it easier for me in terms of helping other people understand it yeah yeah than I could mm. because I wasn't ready to to talk about what had happened and at that stage I didn't even recognize really that that was mm. such an issue for me mm. um, and and I got a lot of a lot of backlash from from his friends, from even some of my friends, um, huh. his family around it. Um, yeah. Around how I could just suddenly not want to be in that. Um, because I very much doubt that he was aware of the impact of his actions. Right. Um, okay. I very much doubt that. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it would have been a big surprise for a lot of people, myself included. Mm. Um, and, yeah, in a way, I think it would have been easier for me had there been some event, yeah. you know, some argument or some, I don't know, conversation with a friend that had led to this decision, but there wasn't. Mm. Yeah. It was just an internal moment. Yeah. Um, other pivotal moments and it sounds like that it was very based on intuition as well which is mm. you know which kind of it's kind of sad that 
intuition isn't given more honor in a way because if you felt that strongly within yourself then really that's all we need to know isn't it and it's it should be right yeah yeah and you were quite young so maybe they thought oh maybe i don't know i'm just guessing maybe they thought oh she was she's quite young she doesn't i don't know i'm just mm. thinking out loud and trying to think when i was 18 and i i wasn't very um i was all over the place so i would have you know i definitely i can remember someone saying that to me um i think i moved from saskatoon to i did move from saskatoon to vancouver um decide and i decided in one night that i was moving so it's it can be quite typical as well um at least it was for me and it's it's sad that your intuition wasn't given more like that is all we need is to feel this strong feeling and that's enough that's yeah 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 there was definitely a lot of you know you'll change your mind yeah you know, this is a phase you'll you'll you know you love him it's it's gonna work out in the end kind of thing yeah um and i was 100 percent that that was not gonna be the case you know mm. um you know once the decision was made it was made there was no questioning mm. that for me um wow. I, I felt bad for for hurting him you know um but no regret about my decision Mm, nice that's that's amazing that you felt so strongly that's awesome really in my opinion yeah yeah i mean yeah i i, I thank you i suppose it yeah <laughs> i think it's like uh, powerful it, it certainly caused me some troubles but oh yeah i bet mm. Uh, mm, i don't know i, I say another little moment for me would be much later so much recent more recently when, I mean, not still years ago, but with my husband. Um, so when in kind of the early uh, stages of our relationship, and I remember being uh, talking to my mum and her husband, and um, and I was talking about how how we were going to get married, etc. We weren't engaged or anything, but just, you know, casually talking about the future, et cetera. And one of them was like, oh, so, so that's, that's it then. That's pretty, you're pretty sure about that. And I was like, yep. Yeah. And for me, it was that same kind of certainty. Um, no particular event, no, you know, no, um, romantic gesture had to lead to it or anything for me to feel that kind of certainty and and I and I didn't need to question it it was just yeah it just was that was going to be my future just like and and it did make me think back to to that first um relationship when I was like okay that's definitely not yeah it's <laughs> not going to be my future this was okay this definitely is um and and I guess when I realized that, I mean, as with previously, it kind of made everything a lot internally easier for me. Mm. So, and, yeah. So, did you have the same feeling? Was it kind of, was it yeah. kind of, yeah? I love that when you have, you know, when you get that um, deja vu, but it's a feeling, eh? 
I love mm -hmm. that. Those are, mm -hmm. so you got to, that's like a very powerful and that, that feeling that you have sounds like it's incredibly powerful in you. Mm -hmm. Huh? Yeah, Super it is. Cool. And it came <laughs> easier for me if, if it wasn't because, you know, then I had to answer his questions. Well, how do you know he's the one? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just, I just, I mean, it, I, I, I don't really uh, get into the idea of, of, of the one, but um, there was the person I, 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 I want to go forward with. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Um, but it would have been easier if I'd been able to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> have you read, um, you know, Clara, you know, the woman who runs with the wolves, the women who run with wal the wolves, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She, she wrote this book also called The Joyous Body. Oh, yeah. oh beautiful. I, she talks about, you know, Jungian archetypes, but she's feminized them. And she's gone through women's uh, stories and folk tales um, through history. And she shows how, you know, in the book, The Women Who Run With the Wolves, how women are like wolves, but the joyous body is beautiful. If you like, if you're into really intuitive kind of stuff, just with your body and how precious our bodies are. Um, and I really do think there's something about our wombs that is definitely different from men. I know I, you know, I don't want to go there too. I don't have a lot of back research here, but I just really feel this. <laughs> so that's my own opinion really more than anything. Um, but I think it's so amazing that you had that same feeling that is, that's massive, you know, I think that is huge. I don't, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it was also kind of a re-experiencing that feeling with my now husband was kind of a, a reminder to me that I should share with him about that first relationship as well, because I hadn't okay. with any interim partners. Right. Um, so he's the only partner I've had who knows about that experience. Mm. Um, and that was, yeah, that feeling of I'm going forward with this was um, kind of that, okay, well, then it's a full trust thing. Mm. And, and I'm, you know, I want to share that with him. Yeah. Um, you know, even though it was hard for him to hear, et cetera. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting note. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like it's kind of went full circle in a way, like a real spiral. It was like you had yeah. one layer of that feeling and then one layer of I need to tell him about this. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool. I think it's so neat how our intuition works. We're such amazing creatures. Like, that's why I'm like, screw the deficit model. Like, get rid of that. I don't care about that. I don't even want to hear about that. I want to hear about all these amazing things that we do as, as human beings. We are a fascinating species. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we just like your mom, look at her. She, she built up these, this army of women around you. This, that's amazing. How do we know to do this okay mm. hey. and we do it when we do it we make these choices when it's incredibly difficult like these challenges are coming our way and we 
and somehow we're like a you know a tree that kind of grows up a wall and it kind of just decides hey i'm just going to spread out i'm just going to grow up this wall i have the right to be here and the walls in the way so i'm going to make something beautiful out of it you know <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we're pretty cool man <laughs> we are we're pretty yeah. great hmm. and you've got are you okay to keep going a little bit here i know it's getting yeah. a bit okay um you've got um metaphors and nature sensuality sexuality and sports is there anything else that you wanted to add there um I guess, um, I guess the sports thing for me okay. was really, I mean, there's not too much to say about it, but it's something that I, again, some kind of similar to the dancing, but it's, it's, it's different. Um, so it's something that I did at high school and then I didn't touch it again or didn't really engage with it that much again until later on mm. um so i guess more recently um and the empowerment and connection with my body that i get through sports is and also i guess because the sports i do work with other women um mm. the connection i have with women through through sports is really important mm -hmm. um, for me um and i guess just the the demonstration of of the strength of women's bodies and um and that they're and i guess contrasting and complementing what we do when we dance um so it's a completely different way of moving um completely different way of using our bodies that's still defined as exercise but it's yeah it's completely different and it's engaging completely different parts of our brain um and both were really beneficial to me um, and sports has been kind of a newer discovery for me, or, or rediscovery, I should say, for me around how empowering it can be and how freeing it can be, um, and and that connection with women, um, particularly I think where I am, kind of at my stage of life and thinking about motherhood, etc. Um, and there's so many women in my netball team who are mothers. And, you know, that idea that our bodies, I don't know, oh, I mean, obviously they change with motherhood, but the idea that they somehow get softer or less able to, to cope with the stresses of sports is just it's rubbish, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Um, because I see it, you know, or before this period um, of altered reality, I saw it every week, you know. Yeah. Um, those women, their bodies are, are so strong, wow. so strong. And I know it takes a lot of strength physically to get through childbirth, et cetera, et cetera. But um, there's, I mean, culturally, there's a, there's a lot of focus put on, I guess, um, young women's bodies mm. um, and particularly young athlete women who are seen as really strong and less often would that be applied to women post childbirth? Mm. Um, but I guess on a community level, I see that all the time mm. and I find that really comforting. Um, 
and yeah, kind of plays into um, connecting more with different parts of my body and um, I guess, yeah, trying to move forward into the next stages around motherhood, which is um, new challenges for me. Yeah. I don't know. Does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It was just a new way to connect physically with my body. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think it's really nice and, like you said, comforting to to watch these women who are who have given birth or maybe going through um, pregnancy, perhaps, and then how their bodies are so strong. Um, yeah, and and I think in in a lot of ways they, you know, maybe in media or fashion they try to make us really small. Um, and even with clothing, like I notice, I don't know, I don't know if it's just me, but I've noticed even women's fleeces aren't as heavy, aren't as warm. Um, and our shoes, like they try to, they try to limit us as much. I, I just find it very limiting. Um, and, it, you know, and especially younger women's bodies, that's the way that we should look. And um, I think when I gave birth to my child, I never saw my body, my body just like I took over my, my, my natural ability just took over to birth a child. And mm-hmm. I felt like not everyone feels like this and, you know, but I felt like I could just carry the world on my shoulders the next day. I felt powerful. And I think that that's it. We're, we are powerful. We are a powerful um, species like in, in women and women and men, of course, but um, I know that we've we've definitely had a lot of lenses put on us as if we can't. And I love how your mum, you know, it was like maybe another moment for you when you realize not everyone is is told that they can do anything um, when they're when they're young as females. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on this very new podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, is there anything else that you wanted to add here? No, I mean, I guess um, I know I kind of talked a little bit about the context when we first started, but I, I realized that I haven't really for any listeners kind of detail exactly what happened. And I realized that for for some survivors, that's um, that's necessary for them when they are sharing their story, and uh, to to omit those details. Or um, and for some survivors or listeners, it's really important to hear those details. Um, so I can see both sides of it. So I just, I guess, wanting to to reiterate that I, I recognize that when I shared my story, I talked generally um, about, I, I guess I used the word like my experiences or my sexual experiences. So um, yeah, I apologize if if my omission of details was, um, was disempowering for anyone. Um, but for me, I find, I still do find it quite hard to say it out loud. Um, so yeah. Apologies for that. No. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I am. I am okay to talk about it if if you feel it's it's going to be useful. Um, no, I, 
I kind of yeah. feel like I f- kind of feel like I feel like maybe you want to talk about it because um, I I think that it's up to you how much you share and and I and I definitely agree with you um, in terms of some people they might want to hear it but I I think it's your right it's your voice it's your story and and maybe maybe it's something that I do feel like maybe there's something here that you want to kind of say though I wonder yeah I guess I guess I just want to clarify I don't know no it's it's hard to know how much to say I guess I just want to clarify that that it wasn't it wasn't like a one-off experience or a or um you know being forced into a, a sexual act like you know having to um you know it wasn't it wasn't a one-off rape situation basically mm. it was a lot more um, i want to say a lot more subtle than that mm-hmm. um which i guess helped made it really confusing afterwards um but it was ongoing coercive experiences so that I would do something I was comfortable with for example touching or kissing or um like missionary sex or something that was quite uh that I was comfortable with um and then something would be suggested that I wasn't so comfortable with Uh, for example, less comfortable positions or um, uh, being humiliated or degraded um, in some way. So whether that was, you know, uh, being put in situations where I would have to see myself in a mirror mm-hmm. and, you know, say particular things, um, use particular words, which I find quite degrading you know, slut, etc. Um, that those kind of things were then coerced, uh, kind of kind of add-ons that I would then feel pressured to to go along with. Um, and sometimes it would be I would I would feel able to say no, I don't want to do that. But it would always be that's when I would get the sulks. You know, the you don't love me enough kind of you know mm. why don't you trust me are you not attracted to me um fine we'll just go to sleep kind of silent treatment kind of stuff mm-hmm. um that would then obviously play on your mind until until you do it mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing but you know he he was pretty aware that I did not want to do it and that I was um that I didn't enjoy it um particular things and then the longer you go on in the relationship the more that becomes normal that kind of communication around it so the kind of just giving me a look and that was enough to know that it was my turn to suck him off for example and that I wasn't going to be allowed to go get dressed until that happened you know oh wow um, so things like that that just became normal Um, but which, you know, you put a camera on the wall and that could still happen in a healthy relationship, you know, without the communication stuff. 
-hmm. you know, the actual acts, for example, weren't, weren't necessarily outside of what a healthy couple would do. Um, but it was, it was the communication and the coercion and the, mm -hmm. um, I guess, emotional blackmail around that, which made um, that really, really unhealthy. Mm. And why I wanted to clarify around this space was that I want any listeners to know that it doesn't have to be the act itself that that is out of bounds, you know, so to speak. It's it's the feelings and the communication um, that can make it out of bounds. Um, or however you want to frame it, that can make it a violation, yeah. basically. Yeah. That make it a violation and that that is enough um, for a violation. Mm. I don't know, does that make sense? Mm. And it sounds like you didn't want to do that and, and he kept very slowly manipulating and pushing you to do things you didn't want to do. And there was, uh, it sounds like there was a lot of control as well. Um, yep. And, and that powerlessness, mm -hmm. that's, that, that's a um, crucial part that you, you feel like you're losing your power mm -hmm. and, and that, that um, consent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how both people need to be into it. They need to want to do this. Otherwise, and it sounds like it happened over a long time. And it's like that frog putting a frog in hot water. And, you know, it's not a very nice, um, I don't know, analogy, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know the word. But, you know, and then it, it slowly doesn't realize that it's getting hotter and hotter. Um, because it's so, it's so, it's so subtle. It can be so subtle. It can be mm -hmm. so sneaky and that's why it's so important that it needs to be spoken and talked about with other people, um, you know, um, to, to break the silence. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the idea that that consenting is not just saying yes or going along with it, that, that consenting is enthusiasm. Yes. Um, you know, it should be an enthusiastic thing, not a tentative thing. Yeah. Um, and I know, obviously, when you're new to an experience, you might feel nervous or, or whatever, but there, there should be an element of, mm -hmm. of enthusiasm. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think that's, that's about all that, that I need to say about that. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah, maybe just one more thing around sure. how even though like so the same the same sexual act so say sex in a particular position would be um, I would be enthusiastic or you know I would consent in one situation later on that same activity or same act um, could be done without consent and I didn't realize how much that could impact you physically in terms of physical trauma um, and it wasn't until much later that um, that I realized that um, and that was with some guidance from a nurse at a family planning clinic who noticed some damage 
and I said, well, you know, these are the, you know, she asked me a little bit about what I do. Um, and I said, well, nothing, nothing weird, you know, nothing, you know, I don't use, you know, giant dildos or anything that would, that would damage me. Um, so I don't know why it's damaged. And she kind of explained to me that, you know, just not wanting it can, can, or feeling uncomfortable can, um, can make your muscles and, uh, yeah, your internal muscles react in a way that will cause damage. Um, and yeah, I, that was a big surprise to me and I hadn't realized um, that that would be the case and that that has ongoing impacts for sexual experiences in terms of pain. Mm. So yeah, again, I just want to kind of share that for listeners or mm. um, that you can get physical, I mean, obviously people know you can get physical trauma from, from I guess, missionary or quote-unquote normal sex, but but even even when it's something that you're used to, you can still be damaged by it. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I just felt like that was important to share because I haven't really talked about the physical side of it very much. Yeah, especially if, if you didn't want that to happen and you weren't in it sounds like you were, you didn't want this to happen. And, and so maybe you were trying to resist it in a way. Um, exactly. And yeah. your body, even, you know, even, even if your mind on one level is on board, like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, even if it's a coercive kind of, okay, I'm accepting that this is happening. Um, your body can betray you in that respect and go, actually, this is really uncomfortable and I'm not ready for this. And, and you, you know, your body's telling you something there mm. um, that this is not okay. This is, you have not agreed to this. You're not enthusiastic about it, um, you know, um, physically. Mm. Um, so I guess listen, to, to, to listen to your body a bit mm. about that rather than being like, come on, vagina, why aren't you getting on board with this? Mm. Um, just, okay, <laughs> you're not in a good place now. <laughs> um, mm. I'm going to listen to what, what my vagina is telling me, basically. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Listening to our bodies, eh? Mm. Mm. Super powerful. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you. Thank you for sharing that and opening up. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure <laughs> talking with you. Thank I'm you. Turn my camera back on. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hey. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's been lovely talking with you. And I really appreciate you opening up and sharing. And and also talking about your being so brave and talking about your strengths too. There is a, sh there is a lot of strengths here. I was going to say a shitload and then I decided maybe I won't say that, but now I've said it. <laughs> you have so many strengths. I love it. It's been an open conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I really, and, and I really just want to celebrate you and I want to celebrate all these things that you've done and just keep I love that and I love your like listening to our bodies so powerful our bodies they really they really do um 
you know, they really, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in us. Yes, there is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yep. Alrighty. Cool. Thank you. Take care. For having me on and um, I hope that it's interesting or useful for someone. Um, It certainly has been good for me. Um, So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was surprised at myself that I, that I contacted you about it because I didn't think I was going to, even though I knew that, you know, a previous person had. I was like, no, I, that's not me, you know, but something made me do it. So I'm quietly impressed with myself. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love these impulses of, of you know, from you. I think they're amazing. I think very powerful. <laughs> Get me into trouble more like (laughs) sometimes it's a good thing though (laughs) okay cool well you take care thank you very much okay i will thank you okay so yeah gonna i'm gonna Kia ora. welcome to Voices of Resilience Radio. This is Voices of Resilience Radio. I hope you found this truly inspiring and uplifting, and that you've gained some gems along the way of your healing journey. Remember to be gentle on yourself and go well. For more episodes just like this, please remember to subscribe on rss.com, Spotify, or from my website at chrissygelmer.com. I'd love to receive your feedback, suggestions, and you can provide this also on my website. If you'd like to be on the show, please fill out my Be My Guest web form also on my website. Keep shining your gorgeous light.